Raise your hand if you're a firefighter. Now keep it raised if you've ever done yoga. I'm guessing the majority of you had to put your hands down. I was once one of those people too, so don't feel so bad. The statistics show that being a male firefighter makes me highly unlikely to ever do yoga. However, years ago I signed up for some classes at my local gym, and when I was several classes in, I realized that not only did it help me with my core strength, but it helped with my mobility and my conscious awareness when it comes to my breathing. My guests today are Olivia Mead and Eric Brenneman, husband and wife team behind Yoga for First Responders, and their mission is to support, protect, and prepare first responders by having tools for movement, mobility, and conscious breathing. So, without any further delay, here's my conversation with Olivia Mead and Eric Brenneman. Well, Olivia Mead and Eric Brenneman, thank you for coming on the show today. We're happy to be here, Ryan. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Ryan, fun to be here. This is so great. Um, I actually have been following the Yoga for First Responders for a long time, for several years now. And uh, I actually got turned on to the, the movement through a friend of mine who I work with. His wife owns a, a local ballet studio here in Arizona. Well, I grew up a ballet dancer, so this is yeah. like so happy for me to hear that connection. And that's actually one of the reasons that I, you know, actually was introduced to yoga is it was part of my ballet training. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Right on. Well, that makes sense. It's very synergistic in that. One of the things that, that turned me on, like I said, is that a friend of mine, she was leading a, a yoga session for firefighters, uh, Lisa Marie Seltzer, and she was leading, I think there were like four of us in the class. And uh, we were really trying to understand and kind of mesh the, um, the two worlds together, right? Mm -hmm. Like firefight, and we're, we were all four firefighters. And uh, as you know, it's typically like a male dominated profession. And so it, it took a bit of humbling for us to, to go and, and do this all together, which was fine, but we had a good mm -hmm. time. And then um, my friend, it's Studio R Ballet, by the way. Okay, okay, <laughs> got I can't it. Believe I, I can't <laughs> believe I brain farted that. But so I've worked with uh, uh, Robin Elo, who actually owns the studio. I worked with her husband at the fire department. I've worked with him for years. One of the things that kind of helped link me to you was that bridge and mm -hmm. I saw what you were doing with the community, how you were geared specifically toward uh, firefighters and that you're, you had like a special place in your heart for that. Um, so if you would just tell us a little bit about what inspired that and what, what it was that made you kind of niche down and focus on the firefighter community. Yeah. So, you know, the original intention of yoga is quite different than the understanding of it here in the West. And our Western culture has really taken yoga, branded it, made it trendy. And we understand typically as a Western culture um, that it's sort of a, a female centric exercise, um, which again, like you had mentioned for an alpha male population to connect to that doesn't quite make sense. 
But actually in the East where yoga originated, it is predominantly, in fact, it was only allowed to be practiced by men. It's how they train their warriors for battle. And it's still predominantly practiced by men in the East. Um, and that's, and yeah, and I've studied from, uh, I've been teaching yoga for 18 years, practicing for several more than that. And um, I've learned and been trained by several masters. I, I went to India and have an instructor I still work with there. And the original intention of yoga is not just valuable or good for first responders and firefighters specifically. It's meant for them. And I can list out all those reasons why later in our conversation. But I had that knowledge of, you know, gosh, the the studio, the yoga studio scene, this is not an insult to yoga studios. It's just two different things. The yoga studio scene and the gym scene here in the West, that yoga is different yoga than the original intention. And the original intention of yoga is a training tool to master your mind and optimize functioning of every single system in your body, physical, mental, emotional, neurological, right? And that's not sexy to a lot of people. So if you put that in a yoga studio, like regulate your nervous system, you'll sleep better, you'll perform better, your air management will be better. The general population won't give a shit. Am I allowed to say that? Probably, yeah, that's right. fine. <laughs> okay. I, I was, I figured you could freestyle. Yep. Full Free, freestyle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the general population isn't going to give a shit about that. What they are going to care about is look cute in yoga pants, right? Sweat it out. And again, I'm not trying to insult those yoga students because guess what? I go there and I sweat it out. Okay. So um, just two different things. So here I am really wanting to teach and train and coach this original intention of yoga. And, you know, the yoga studios didn't really want to hear it. The gyms didn't want to hear it. I'm like, God, what population would eat this up? What population would care about calm under fire? What, what population would care about effective sleep regulation for enhancing performance? What population would care about how they use their oxygen and their, their air capacity? And my first thought was actually military and veterans. And on top of that, there was so, there's so much out there about the stress-based health issues of the military and of veterans, right? We heard the 22 a day, it's out there, out there. And when I Googled yoga for veterans, yoga for military, a lot of training um, uh, pro programs came up and I attended those. So I got trained in trauma-sensitive yoga, specifically the culture of military and veterans. I was um, teaching in a VA for those with diagnosed post-traumatic stress. And I was doing that and I was having a conversation with my mother. I was living in Los Angeles at this time. And as I was talking to my mother about a, a program I was doing for veterans and military, a fire truck went by and I was like, hold on sirens. You know, when you live in the city, every 30 seconds, you gotta be like, hold on, there's sirens. Yeah. And my mom said to me, first responders. Why, why aren't you teaching the same thing to them? I mean, they're in the fight every single day and then they have to go home. See, who I was teaching was a lot of people that were reintegrating from deployment. So they did their deployment. They came home. They were, you know, now veterans, no longer active duty, and we were reintegrating them. And the thing about deployment, and I've talked to a lot of my military students about this, is you really get to go home and or go i'm sorry you're home you're home but when you're on deployment you really get to be at work right totally engulfed in work and that's where your brain is 
Um, and some military are called, uh, I think it's like deployment. They're basically deployed, considered deployed, but they're actually on their base here in the US. Oh, gotcha. And so they say they do that. They said that that's a, a big stressor, right? That they have to go be deployed and do their job and then come home. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you mean like every cop and firefighter and dispatch yeah. and paramedic, right? Yeah, so 100%. I was right. So I was like, oh my God, yes. Cause here's the trap that I think a lot of us fall into and I fell into we expect first responders to be there when we need them because they will it, it doesn't matter how big of an asshole you are to them they will still treat you they will still help you and we don't think about the that there's a human being there and we just have this expectation for their service without giving back to that so that all kind of hit me like a ton of bricks and i almost yeah. felt like embarrassed for not realizing it sooner. So this was in 2013, I Googled yoga for first responders and unlike the military and veteran programs, nothing came up. There was nothing out there to learn about the public safety profession in order to serve them through this tool. So I had to put it together myself. I had to build it. Yeah, you were called to it, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. A, bigger, a bigger purpose was called. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's interesting that you bring up the culture. Um, we have our own unique culture in the fire service. And I know, Eric, you know this, and I know, Olivia, you know this. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, we have that saying where we, you know, there's two things firemen hate change in the way things are. And, and it's like, we're so stubborn, and we're all set in our ways. And I think that your perspective in regards to the culture of yoga and using it as a tool, using it as a facilitator for, you know, numerous different things. You mentioned four quadrants real quick. You just mentioned physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And I honestly cannot think of a firefighter that I've ever known or have ever met that doesn't struggle in at least one of those categories. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's very interesting and it's, it's telling and it's not on accident that those are the things that stand out to me in regards to what it is you're doing with yoga for first responders. Mm -hmm. um, it was interesting that you talked about the, the deployments because it's so true. Um, we, I feel like in the fire service and, and in the, the police force and whatnot, in the first responder community, we, um, we have those shorter deployments, quote unquote. You know, I particularly work on a 4890 or 4896 work schedule. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm quote unquote deployed, you know, for mm -hmm. two days straight, gone. I have to be in it. I have to be focused. And then I come home mm -hmm. and I have to have systems in place so that I'm not just some big asshole to my family. <laughs> or, <laughs> right. You know, right. I've got to have yeah. systems in place to debrief to let things go. I have to be able to mitigate these stressors that have been put on me or things that I've seen. And a lot of times I feel like the, the things that, that people in the first responder community resort to are destructive. And mm -hmm. it tends to be a way that we don't really pay attention to the things that are bothering us, but mm -hmm. we're, we're more so covering them up and ignoring them. And all that does, and Eric, as you know, in as in a fire, we don't show up to a fire and then we're like, well, we put it mostly out and then we leave, <laughs> you know, like, like we put that thing all the way out. We go in, we stir it up, we make sure it's out. We handle the thing. But how interesting is it that in our own personal lives, we 
tend to give more lenience to those fires. And I, I feel like this, this whole yoga for first responders program helps us walk through that, helps us breathe through that. Um, so Eric, this, this next question is kind of geared more towards you. I know you're a firefighter, if not retired. Um, how, how did this speak to you specifically going on duty, coming off duty, you know, just like me dealing with the things you see and the stressors that you have unique to the fire service? Yeah. So, uh, had 13 years on the job. Uh, now I travel the country teaching and working with, with this organization. So I'm no longer a firefighter. Uh, and so as most will not be able to see in this, but there's a nice gorgeous beard that I could never grow when I was on the fire, running run <laughs> yeah, the rigs, awesome, but uh, it's a, it's a fun beard now. So, awesome. but it, it, it speaks close to home, right? I mean, we have got to find ways to transition from the fire service to home. Um, the department that I worked for, we ran the, what is often referred to as the California swing. We call it literally our tour of work was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, four days off, come back in next week, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. And so we called them tours and it's by no accident, right? Because that five day stretch was really kind of geared towards serving your community. And then the four days were, uh, supposed to be geared towards serving yourself, quite frankly, which most of us don't do well. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And so we even turn our positive, uh, what typically are considered positive um, mechanisms to deal with the stress and trauma and physical activity that we deal with. Uh, for example, uh, my department, we had a, a cycling club where 50% of the, the people in the fire department rode bicycles on a daily basis together to de kind of de-stress, move the body, breathe. Nice. But then lo and behold, we'd stop at every brewery along the way and grab some beers, you know? So we, <laughs> yeah. we found a way to turn every single like positive thing into a drinking event or, or some you know, type think, of compensation. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think that resonates with a lot of people, right? Is that we, yeah, it's we true. find those, those quite frankly, the numbing agents because they work, they work. Yeah. And that's yeah. why we, that's why we do them. Uh, but, and so without a proactive tool, we just kind of fall down that, that rabbit hole and get deeper and deeper in. And so how this really resonated for me is I was on my peer support team, uh, for my fire department and most peer support teams are very reactive organizations. We get paid to be react reactive as firefighters and cops. Uh, and so we wait for our membership to get jammed up. And then we've got the resources there to like help them out, whether it's drinking, gambling, whatever it might be uh, to support them, counseling, therapy. But when I learned about first, yoga for first responders, because our training chief mandated us do this program for six months at, in a, at our fire department, uh, I was like, holy cow, there's a proactive training tool that can right. we can work to actually build our body up to have the nervous system response that we want it to, rather than just defaulting to the threat response all the time. Uh, and so why are we waiting for people to get jammed up and being reactive to it instead of being proactive, training our bodies and minds to work better before things even hit the fan? Yeah. Uh, and that way we can respond better on the job and off the job. And so that's how, why it really resonated is I wanted a proactive tool rather than a reactive tool for my membership. You know, what, right. when you, when you said that, Eric, what I just kind of thought of, cause you kept saying tool, right. And I just had this flash cause you teach a class, Eric, on, on fire service culture and you lay out, there's a picture you lay out of all the tools that are on an engine, right. Um, that, and you, you always say when firefighters are called, there's a problem and you have this big red toolbox to solve the problem and you have to figure out how and you have to get creative you know but you can't leave until the problem is is solved and i just realized the parallel 
is that when you go into fire service, you're not given this toolbox or a set of tools to figure out how to deal with the problems that will come up personally. But with things like, like yoga, like this is it's, here's all these things I have at my disposal because stress will come up, trauma will come up, family issues will come up, whatever will come up. But if you have this proactive training tool, you're like, okay, let me open up my toolbox and see what needs to happen to regulate myself. So you can really think of our program as that. You go into the academy and you're trained in all these tactics, except for longevity. You are not trained on those emotional transitions like you were talking about, Ryan. You're not trained on yourself. You're only trained on, you know, here's the job. So that's why, as Eric mentioned, you'll reach for anything because you are not properly trained in it. So you're like, okay, this beer feels good. I'll do that. This feels good. I'll do that. Or I'll shut off my emotions. That's good. That feels better. I'll do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you can think of yoga as not this adjunct, um, suggestive, conceptual, you know, try this, try that. Think of yoga as another tactic that should, in my opinion, be trained in the academy just as much as throwing ladders so that you can actually stay on the job um, in a healthy way for longer. Yeah. And, and to piggyback on that, I actually wrote an article for a trade journal uh, a couple years back at this point, but it's still out on the internet. You can still find it. And it was a quote unquote clickbait title. But the question that I raised was, is mental health resilience training more important than basic skills? And the crux of the argument, uh, and I used uh, ladder training hose or hose training, either one. And the crux of the argument is, is if we learn these short-term short-term tactical skills so that we can perform on the fire ground, but we're off duty because of mental health resilient issues that we can know there are proactive tools for, those short-term tactical skills are worthless. You're at home, yeah. you're off duty, you're off job, off the job, you you've retired out, whatever it is. And so we I, that's why I've put the foundation down. If we're not taking care of ourselves first, it doesn't matter how good we are. At throwing ladders and dragging hose, quite frankly, because we won't be there to do it forever. It's true. It's 100% true, you guys. Um, and we even kind of talk about how, you know, we'll, we'll tell each other, we'll sit around the kitchen table and we'll tell each other, well, this is a young man's game and, and this and that. And, and it's really short-sighted. And, uh, and, and once you do take that step back and think about it, like if I'm not taking care of myself, how can I possibly expect to take care of anybody else? And that goes for, you know, wearing the uniform, being on the truck, being at home, being a husband and a father, a wife and a mother. How can we be effective in, in fulfilling those roles that we have if we're not taking care of ourselves? It makes absolutely no sense. And yet we go, we, we still do it. We still do those self-destructive things because like Olivia said, we know they work and yeah. we have this big toolbox of all these tools and and rather than like flip through the thing and really take just a breath and a minute to look at that thing and and determine what would work best we go with what we know and what's tried and true yeah and with the low-hanging yeah, yeah exactly the low-hanging fruit. fruit and that's the thing is like like Eric's saying, it does work because when you have a glass of wine, does it take the edge off? Sure. Yeah. But none of none of those coping mechanisms, you are they're all reliant on something or someone else. Mm -hmm. And you can't do it and be functional at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, like someone even said to me, Oh, well, I use a weighted blanket. 
okay, well, when you're having an anxiety attack in an enclosed space, do you have your weighted blanket with you? Right. We need to train something that you don't need, you know, that you have it right here. Yeah. And another thing, you know, I know that fire service, those that go into fire service are empathetic people. I also know they're service oriented. Um, I, so it's very difficult to tell someone to take even a, an inch of time to focus on themselves. You know, you guys are very outward focused. So let me put it this way. Um, for those of you who feel like I don't want to make it about me, how you act is modeling for the probies. You're modeling it for the next generation. So what they're seeing is these guys who they admire and are looking up to are drinking on their days off, are talking shit around the kitchen table about this or that, that are sitting and watching TV instead of doing this. So if you don't want to do it for yourself, if you, you know, can you model it so the next generation of fire service is different than, you know, it's slowly moving that needle to a more healthy fire service. If you think it's too late for you, which it's not, by the way, but if that's where your mind is working, you know, model it for, for the others. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we tend, I mean, and we know that complacency is the killer, mm -hmm. the number one killer of us. And so it's interesting that you bring that up because I had experienced a situation where there was a captain who during his probationary year, it was hell. It I mean, he was getting tennis balls thrown at his head every day. I mean, it, it was just really, and there was worse things than that. It was just very abusive to the point where during his probationary year, he was unsure if he even wanted to continue doing the job. And then uh, as he promoted through the ranks, he became captain. And when he got a probie, guess what he did to that probie? He just repeated that. Right. You repeat cycle. the cycle. Yeah. And then finally I kind of took him aside. I was like, Hey man, uh, do you realize that, that you're doing the exact thing that made you hate life for that whole year? And he really had no idea. He was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. It, it's really enlightening because we fall into that complacency trap and then we model this behavior and we want our cultures, our fire culture to be this wonderful brotherhood uh, where we care about each other and we can be open with each other. But then we're throwing tennis balls at each other's heads. You know, it's like, <laughs> and we're perpetuating this toxic ideal. But yeah, what you said, how you act is modeling for the probies. That That's 100% true. 100%. You know, true. it's like the example you just gave is unconscious behavior. Yeah. You know, obviously no one's out there saying today I'm going to make this person feel like right. shit and ruin their right. career. So they do it to the next. No one wakes yeah. up feeling that way. It's this unconscious thing. And Eric and I were just talking about this. Actually, we listened to a podcast called Mindset Mentor, and he was talking about the same thing. And we've been talking about it as well. This happens with parents, you know, those who and people who are uh, your caretakers are also modeling behavior for you that then becomes your unconscious patterning, patterning that then you give to your children, etc. What yoga does is it's using the physical body and using all these other tools to actually heighten and create awareness, a self-awareness and a situational awareness. So yes, there's these amazing benefits neurologically and physically you're getting these benefits, but those are um, these, you know, little outcomes because you are using the physical body and, and everything to, um, as a vehicle to heighten 
this awareness, like I said. Mm -hmm. So um, if someone, and it makes you aware of your own behavior, like, ooh, look at I just mimicked the patterning I got as a child. Oh, look, I just, you know. So without that self-awareness tool, that's where that repeating of that behavior comes in. So if if that example, if he had a yoga practice <laughs> that maybe as he like went to go throw the ball, you know, he was like, whoa, look at what's happening. Wow. Okay. Or if he did it, he had that self-awareness to then sit that person down and say, you know what, this is what happened to me. I consciously want to stop this. I apologize for that. Um, let's make it different. You know, there, it's, a, it's an awareness thing. And I think that's the first step is, is self-awareness. And when you have a self-awareness, how this will lead to performance on your job is that you can't truly be situationally aware unless you have a nice honed self-awareness first. Um, otherwise, the self-aware, the situational awareness will turn into hypervigilance. Yeah. Absolutely. That's 100% true. We, uh, when we go into a fire ground, we're not just a bunch of, well, hopefully, we're not just a bunch of clowns hopping out of a car, running around. <laughs> you know, we, we have a plan. We have, right. a, we have a plan. We take a moment. We, we look at the scene. We size it up. We decide how we want to enact our strategy after we formulate it, and we put it into action. We take mm -hmm. that moment to be aware of the situation. And it is kind of one of those interesting dichotomies that we can do that on a fire ground and on an EMS scene all day. But then sometimes when it comes to our own personal lives, we have a hell of a time, if, if not a complete inability to do that in our own lives. And I think that's one of the things that's making uh, mental health issues the biggest challenge for us today in the fire service. Um, I liked one thing that Eric said. He brought up uh, being proactive as opposed to reactive. And that really speaks to me because, you know, thinking about first responders, like they don't, we're not called first reactors, you know, we're called <laughs> first responders. So it's important that we do that very thing. And we take a minute, um, take that proverbial breath, look at the situation and then respond accordingly based on the tools and the knowledge that we have. And, and I feel like this is an absolute you know, one of those critical, critical and crucial tools that, that we can implement. And you brought up Olivia, how you believe that this should be taught in academies. And I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, not only does it increase that level of awareness, but it helps facilitate the long game, right? Like the infinite game. And, and for us in the fire service, we're not playing, uh, like we're not keeping score really, you know, like the professional sports teams, they keep a score and they can win the game. For us, it's we just have to stay in it as long as we can. It's it's more of like the infinite game. Our whole thing is that we need to make sure that we're not getting injured and that we're not getting retired out and that we're not uh, having emotional issues that are that are taking us away from who we really are. But um, through that resiliency, through that plan of having something in place, I think that allows us to do that. And uh, to kind of touch back on what you said about having it in the academy. I 100% agree. Um, there were times where we would, with our recruits, run them like five to 10 miles a day. And then we learned that we were destroying knees and we were destroying hips and, and it just wasn't working. And then we're like, well, how often are we running 10 miles on a fire scene? Like right. we're, we're, we're literally told not to ever run on a fire scene. <laughs> right. We need to walk with purpose, you know? 
And so we've switched up our training programs to where we're doing a bunch of high intensity interval work, which is reflexive of what it is we do in the fire ground. We go to the scene, we work our butts off for 40 minutes, you know, while conserving air and trying to be conscious of all this stuff. And then we take a break and then we get another bottle and we go back in, you know, it's like those peaks and valleys. Um, but the breath work involved with yoga, I think is, is something that helps facilitate that awareness because I feel like people just do it in such a subconscious manner. And I think mm -hmm. once we really bring it into a conscious effort, boy, that's going to, that's going to change a lot of things. Um, so let's talk about, uh, one of the things I brought your, your, your website up and I really love that you have like your three core values right at the top. Super awesome. Um, supported, protected, and prepared. So would you walk me through those three core values that you have and, and why you selected those? Yeah, I guess I'll kick that off because when I made that, it was just me. I have a wonderful team now. Uh, we have about 18 people on our internal team um, to help me out. But once upon a time, it was just me. Um, and those, those words, uh, were born from that time. So I think that they're, um, they're kind of dual, especially the first one supported, you know, you as firefighters want to be, want to feel supported in your career in, inside that structure fire and, and how you feel supported is you mentioned breath work. And I want Eric to actually kind of expand on breath work, um, a little bit more. Um, because of it's really the golden nugget here. Your breath, like you said, that's the difference between unconscious and conscious. And you are absolutely right. If you feel like you are not in this moment and your nervous system is owning you, you breathe instead of your body breathing and you're, you're back. That's the, the key to control, right? So and it just like I mentioned, your blankie isn't with you in the structure fire. <laughs> but what is with you is your breath. So I want to give you guys a tool so you are supported in your work, supported at home and knowing that, uh, you know, so you feel supported, but I, you know, with that tool, but I also want you to know that your community supports you. Mm -hmm. So I want you to know that by this organization is telling you, and listen, I've had to call 911 in my life, but, you know, before I started this organization. I lived in New York City during 9-11. I thought I was going to die that day. I've, I have reasons, personal reasons to be appreciative of first responders. And I, I want this to be a relationship. You help me, I help you. So we're, it's not like I'm living in your community. We're the community together. Right. So um, prepared is kind of of that same vein is I want you prepared for your career. And right now, may I be so bold to say that first responders are not. That's why these statistics are so high. That's why we're seeing suicides. It's, it's this huge indication that you are, there's a lack of preparation to yeah. go into a career that, we're, that is not natural. Seeing yeah. that much stress is not natural for our nervous system. 
It's our nervous system is not built to have that kind of stress on a cumulative basis. And even if you don't have, even if you're in a volunteer fire department or whatever, that you're not getting a lot of really bad calls, the anticipation of being at work, you have 48 hours, Ryan, where you don't know if in five seconds from now, you'll be seeing a dead body. You'll be trying to revive a child. You, you don't know. And so you're constantly at this level and there is a lack of training. So there's that preparation. Um, I just did the last one, protected. <laughs> it's in the middle. Okay. I was not prepared for that question, clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> protected. Okay. Again, same vein is protected from, you know, all this shit that's coming out you. You know, what our, our full IRS name is Yoga Shield yoga mm -hmm. for first responders mm -hmm. and the protocol which is based in traditional hatha yoga that we've just tailored to be job specific and culturally informed we consider it's a shield that you put on not a shield in the sense of i'm blocking out emotions or anything like that but you have to here's the thing when you go to work you have to have that protection you can't see the child you have to revive and start crying you 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 have to have that protection. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of protection allows you to do that job and do what you need to do. You're monitoring your breath in the background. And then when you take the shield off and you take your bunker gear off, you are also having the tools to be able to regulate what just happened to you. You know, what I would love to see if I were a company officer, everyone would come back and be like, all right, guys, here's this 10 minute video, YFFR video, do it now before you turn on the TV, before you grab a cup of coffee, do it now. Because even if the call went great, that you still have elevated stress, it's the challenge mm -hmm. response, but it's still there and yep. you have to have that regulation. So that is the yoga shield. So it's protecting you for that longevity. So we're supporting you you are protected from the inevitable inevitable uh, stress and situations of the job and you're prepared to have a long and thriving career. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great visual. Um, Eric, uh, let's hear what you have to say about breathing because uh, as you know, you know, wearing those SCBAs, doing that hard work, being conscious of all that definitely is the difference between how well you're going to perform uh, in that fire but also how well you're going to, like Olivia was saying, mitigate those things that you're seeing outside of the fire. Yeah, the uh, your, the power of your breath is crazy, right? Most of uh, most of fire service at this point has heard of Wim Hof. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I would imagine at least they or have some kind of loose grasp on, on the. If you say Wim Hof, they're like, oh, that's the ice guy, the ice man, jumps in the ice bath, and so they're starting to get familiar with new different breathing techniques to what actually is we're working on is CO2 tolerance. And so um, this is uh, based on research from the 1940s from uh, a scientist named Christian Bohr uh, upon the Bohr effect, which you actually need CO2 tolerance, more CO2 in your system to make your body use oxygen more efficiently because the CO2 is actually what helps that gas exchange happen mm -hmm. uh, at the cellular level. And so uh, if we are over breathing and you know the guys that have literally left a fire and their bottles are frozen over We've seen it. Yeah. I mean, we've seen yeah. it, right? They are over breathing. And so they're actually in a hyperventilated state and an over oxygenated state. And so we have to get them more comfortable with having a higher level of CO2 in their system so they can work more effectively on less oxygen. 
And so if you want to get into the science of that, yoga breathing and like Wim Hof breathing works on increasing that CO2 tolerance threshold in your system so you can work more effectively on less, on less air. The other really cool benefit about the, the breath work is, is you have said we as company officers, we as firefighters are really good at taking that proverbial breath to figure out what our next move is on scene. And I'd argue that it's not even a proverbial breath. I mean, I had mentors tell me in the fire service, hey, if the call's going sideways on you, stop, unscrew yourself, take a breath and get back to work. I mean, because mm-hmm. so we're actually already teaching self-awareness and breath work. We just don't call it yoga. We call it right. uh, mentorship, but it's the mm-hmm. same thing uh, in the fire service. Yeah. Uh, and so we're already touching on it. Uh, and so the real critical part here is where we can bring this into the academies is actually uh, the leading edge of research on breathing and breath work and mindfulness meditation yoga actually calls this kind of work autonomic nervous system fitness. They shorten it down to autonomic fitness. So if we do physical fitness in uh, academies, why are we not doing autonomic fitness? So what they're doing with autonomic fitness is by changing the breath pattern, you're changing how your physiological response uh, to that incident. So we see uh, people that breathe really, really hard during workouts and they gas themselves out before the people that are breathing methodically with the movements. You, you've seen that in a physical fitness standard. You've talked about that if we coordinate our breath with movement, we can last longer. And it's by no accident because that coordinated breath with movement is actually slowing down the breath technique, working if we can work on diaphragmatic breathing while we're doing it. So we're using our uh, lungs in full capacity instead of only at the top third of our lungs, uh, we get more gas exchange. And so we can work on how the nervous system reacts. We can actually train how the nervous system reacts to stress so that when things get real, you actually find yourself falling back onto the breath work techniques that you've trained and therefore slowing down the heart rate, slowing down the breathing, slowing down that threat response. So you can make the conscious choice move to challenge response. And it's crazy that just it's we're only starting to see this in a scientific setting because of like functional fri functional mri machines biofeedback machines we can wear shirts now that show us all of our biorhythms and everything else like yeah, oral so rings crazy. i mean right the technology is finally caught up to show us what ancient uh wisdom sciences uh, have been teaching for thousands of years and so now we can stand firmly in what we're saying about all this stuff on that foundation of the evidence-based research. So the breath work is crazy. And there's a lot of fantastic resources out there that um, I'd love to share with you that maybe you can put them in the comments or the notes section for this podcast. Yeah, so that people absolutely. Can yeah. Resources. That would be, uh, that'd be great to share because far too much to share right here in a, in a couple. Right. Of yeah. You know, yeah. We, but that's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Well, we also have the testimonials that show this, you know, this is actually working in terms of air management. So we have a firefighter in Texas who, you know, told us that she was able to make her bottle last X amount. I'll have to get you that, that quote because she was working on her breath and she had trained her breath. Um, in the Academy that I taught in, in the fire Academy, uh, by the end of our session, I had them on a bottle with air to spare for 90 minutes in a gritty yoga class, full bunker gear, STBA. I've wow. done yoga class in full bunk gear on an SCBA myself because I would never ask anyone to do anything I haven't done. Right. And yeah. an, another personal example is, so I wasn't in fire service, but I went through a fire academy 
so I could really get a more hands-on understanding. Same thing with police academy. And that was like six years ago. I couldn't do it now. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. But when I get these personal like light bulb moments, so for instance, and there, by the way, there were women in the academy, my, my size. So same lung capacity, you know, same, you know, lung size that I have. And like Eric said, the moving and the breathing happened automatically. I didn't, I didn't think like, you know what, I'm going to move and breathe as I do this. So I was doing overhaul. It was really difficult for me. I was working really hard, but I, I know that automatically I was inhaling, exhaling. I was doing yoga and it doesn't mean I was moving slowly, Right. but all of a sudden the captain tapped on my shoulder and he said, do you want to be done? Because you're the last recruit in the house here everyone else's bottles were done and I was like are you serious and again even the girls my size but it's because I've I have the I've had the training for 20 years 25 years of managing my breath with movement I was also a professional dancer and you also manage your breath as you dance so I had that too um, and so I have a firsthand account. I have accounts in my students that this is changing air management. And so simultaneously, are you able to make your bottle last, which is going to you know, be a life or death thing at certain situations, but it's also simultaneously keeping your brain and nervous system at a point of coherence. You can be in a physically activated state and still train your nervous system to be focused and in control. You could be sitting here physically inactive, but out of coherence due to stress, due to a perceived threat, such as you're called in, you're, you know, by your chief and you don't know why, right? You're not physically activated, but if we put a biofeedback machine on you, your stress is through the roof. So they are not mutually, wait, they are mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. What's the phrase? What's the right way to say that? that when one does not equal the other one out. Yeah. They're not mutually exclusive. Okay, great. So they're, they work independently. <laughs> they work together. Yeah, yeah. They, they can together work together or independently. independently. Yes, yes. You know it. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, as a, you mentioned dance, you mentioned yoga and, and it's interesting how this is a practical bridge to something like firefighting, which is so different, but at the same time, this principle of breath work and consciousness directly relates to what it is we do. And what Eric was saying, those resources would be awesome. I'd be glad to put those on the show notes, but um, if we just keep things as basic as breath work at the forefront, Everything else, like the the neurological programming or even reprogramming that happens, will just take care of itself. And then we'll find that, you know, we're all of a sudden, well, maybe not all of a sudden, but after some some consistent practice, that we're able to manage our stressors better. And we might not even understand all of the science behind it, but we just know that we're able to do it because of that thing, which is so incredible. Um, I'm, uh, I also do some, some personal coaching on the side. I'm one of our peer fitness trainers as well as one of our, our peer support team members. Um, so I like to, to synergize all of this stuff together. Um, and one of the things when I'm, when I'm coaching somebody for strength training or to try to get into firefighter shape to get ready to go into an academy breathing is like the number one thing 
that I'm typically focusing on with them because we'll go through movements and we'll go through exercises and I'm constantly watching them and I notice that they're holding their breath, right? They're holding their breath and they're grunting down and they're bearing down and their heart rate's plummeting and all this stuff is happening. And I'm like, hey, breathe. Like you forgot to breathe again, you know? Like, and it sounds so silly, but it's true. We forget to breathe. And, and mm-hmm. some people are even like, well, I'm holding my breath so that I can gain more power. And I'm like, well, at the same time, you're putting a lot of torsion on your arteries and you're, you know, that's a lot of pressure on your arterial walls. That's not going to be really good for you in the long run. Yeah. But and you're hitting on some too. And so people are like, oh, the yoga postures are goofy positions with my legs fist around my head. Uh, I've never taught a yoga class that with YFR where we do that, but yeah. I have taught every one of my classes where my students forget to breathe. Yeah. that I put them literally just standing still. Let's start with yeah. that. Let's start with standing still and they will, their mind will get so distracted. They will literally forget to breathe just standing still. Yeah, and so then crazy. that's my job as uh, the yoga instructor, the coach to remind them to breathe. So our protocol, we, is we drill that breath work home because what we're actually doing with the postures in our, in the yoga classes is adding a little bit of stress to the body so that they're uncomfortable. So then we can train while you're uncomfortable in that breath technique. So that when mm-hmm. you're back into an uncomfortable position, that it, it automatically defaults back into it. And yeah. so what the one thing that I argue and yeah, you're uh, basically home. Correct. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so one thing that I argue is, is nothing against like strength training and CrossFit and that kind of stuff. We work with, I would work with some great athletes and I, they were actually coaching me on the breath techniques for like burpees. Cause I would always get gassed just cause I could mm. never figure out that breath technique on burpees. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't do like an overhead press with 200 pounds over my head. Uh, and you're going to find people stop breathing. And so the body will fail before the mind and the, and the breath will mm-hmm. where in a yoga class, I can put you and literally hold your hands over your head. The body will not give out. The mind and the breath will give out far before the body do, Mm -hmm. uh, before the body does. And so that's what we really want to work on is like a simple movements that will bring mobility and flexibility on all that. But I want to get you into a slightly uncomfortable position where you're going to forget to breathe. And then we coach that and bring that in the other thing. And this is why you're, you're coaching and why this works too, is that actually by moving the body and putting yourself into a little bit of a stress response uh, out of the university of Wisconsin, they've shown that you can use um, acute doses of stress to combat chronic stress symptoms. And so if you put a little bit of stress in the body through uh, controlled methods, working out yoga postures that are a little bit uncomfortable, and then train that autonomic fitness on top of it, the breath work and mindset, uh, you can actually reduce chronic stress symptomology, which yeah. well, that's a whole nother bag of worms yeah. that is fascinating. Right. Yeah. And the science of it is, is actually very mind blowing. And I, I'm probably going to be spending the rest of the, the day in a wormhole, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I have some, a couple examples of exactly yeah. what we're talking about. I just, Please. um, I work with, um, uh, what is it called? See, now I'm doing this, Ryan. I'm like, Oh man, oh my God, I started I this out with a brain fart. Not... Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Is it firefighter with... craftsmanship? I, I get yes, confused oh, with yeah, yeah. Craft, firefighter cra- craftsmanship. craftsmanship. Okay. Yeah. So I work with them and I just did a training a couple of weeks ago with them. When I did this uh, before Eric was with me, we went to Portland. It was the firemanship conference and we did a 24 hour training. It was modeled awesome. after a shift. And, you know, I taught 12 yoga classes in 24 hours. Uh, 
yeah, it was, uh, it was great. So the one we did a couple weeks ago was only a day. It was two days, but you got to go home uh, in between. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I had the group in two, uh, two groups. And while I had one group, we were doing yoga, um, you know, basic yoga drills. Then we did it in bunker gear and stuff. While the other guys did, and I can say guys, cause they were all guys there. They did uh, some evolutions and some fire drills, and then we switch. So here's a quote from someone um, who was with me for yoga first. And he said, the yoga practice prior to beginning the fire drills was tremendously beneficial to me. If I would have had the yoga practice after the fire drills, I don't believe I would have fully understood how powerful breath control is. Wow. So this is an example of the proactive necessity of it yeah. and teaching it in the academy and drilling it in the academy, not just presenting it. Because as we all know, recruits think that they're Superman, they're ready to go be heroes, and they don't really want to hear about the tools for longevity because they don't feel they don't feel that yet. Mm -hmm. So it really needs to be drilled um, this proactive and uh, the one we did in Portland at the firemanship conference, a, a testimonial we had there was, you know, this, I thought of this because of what Eric talked about was the little bit of, you know, discomfort and stress. You can match that with the controlled breath is I had them all on their belly in bunker gear doing a baby Cobra position. It's a slight extension of the spine. You're laying on your belly. I'm training them in the breath the whole time. I was told later that when they went in and they did some work in, um, confidence course. And one of the guys was going underneath something and felt stuck and started to get into the point of freaking out. And then he realized he was in the exact same position he was in oh, an hour incredible. earlier in yoga class. So all he said was, I'm going to do my yoga breathing. I'm in baby Cobra. Everything's good. He did not freak out and he moved through the, the course. So awesome. those are a couple examples, real true examples of how this stuff is applied. That's really incredible. And the, the, the question that kind of comes to my mind, I'm curious as to whether or not his body recognized the pose and triggered his mind. Triggered the mind, yeah. Or if, you know, like which one was it? I'm curious as to. Yeah. You know what? One. I want to say, I would sort of, if I were to guess, I would say it was the body notifying Probably the, the body, mind. right? because the mind was freaking out. The mind True. was on the ledge. And so the body, and this is why we have to train the body and mind together because they're in conversation. Right. So the body, I think, notified the mind, hey, last time you were in here, you were in this right. position. Yeah, we're this is what we were doing. We're all good. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's what I would assume would happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that thought. And I totally agree with you because it, again, it, we say the word training and it's like, Ultimately, we are training this animal that is our body. You know, we train our dogs to sit. Why can't we I use train that our... Same, I oh, use do you exact, really? <laughs> yes. I use that exact same analogy. I actually use it about the mind. I'm like, mind yeah. needs to sit and stay, sit and stay. Yeah. Because, you know, you tell a dog to sit and stay and it'll look over there. It'll chase this. Nope, sit and stay. It's right. the same, but you're not, the dog's not, the dog's doing what a dog does. 
Right. Well, you know, the mind also wanders and is judgmental and worried and anxiety for survival. That's right. what the mind is meant to do. Yes. So we can't be like, oh, my mind, you know, Eric and I were just talking about this where people use excuses like I could never meditate. My mind's too anxious. Welcome right. to the human race. <laughs> yeah, Everyone's yeah. mind is that way. You <laughs> yeah. got to train it to sit and think. You can't say yeah. like, well, my dog's just an asshole. My dog just yeah. chews shoes. No, well, clearly yeah. you didn't train it, you know? Right. So yeah. very great analogy. With it's that. like, what are you willing to accept exactly? And like <laughs> this, this human body of ours is, is just an animal We're you know, we're inhabiting it for a bit and uh, we still need to train it and feed it mm -hmm. properly and all of this other stuff. And yeah, I totally agree. Um, we had talked about those small stressors, you know, kind of compounding those small stressors. And, and I read a really great book called uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he oh, talks yeah. about those little small steps you take to create big change. And it, I can't help but think about like the, the two and a half pound uh, weights at the gym, you know, the ones that'll actually go on the big uh, 45 pound dumbbell or barbell. And it's like, you think of that two and a half pounds and you're like, yeah, that's really not that big a deal. But honestly, if you're compounding that over time, you're going to be able to lift a lot more. Mm -hmm. And the idea is like, let's say you get to the point where you're lifting the, the 45 pound barbell with a 45 pound weight on each side. So there's what, 135 pounds. Um, now 135 pounds doesn't get lighter. It's that you become stronger. Yeah. Like that weight never gets lighter. Like science that will never happen. It never gets lighter. You only become stronger in being able to move that weight in being able to deal with that thing in being able to be conscious in, in your, in your movements and your breath work and, and all of that stuff. And so I, like you said, people have these excuses and I feel they, they want to have these excuses about like, oh, well, I could never do that. Well, and it's like, well, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. You know, exactly. So, so good yeah. luck with that. But <laughs> well, and that's the thing, like we call it stress processing instead of stress eradication or stress inoculation or right. yoga is going to help you your stress. No, just like your the thing with the barbell and 135 pounds, fire service will continue to be stressful. Fire mm -hmm. service will be traumatic. You will get your own trauma and someone else's on top of it. So we're not taking away stress. In fact, stress, when it's your trained buddy, it will help you. And yeah. so it's about you becoming stronger, which more resilient and the, and then you can handle those stressors. And then just like lifting weights, man, like one day you're a little under the weather and you could throw up 135 really easily, but today you're a little under the weather and you just can't. So, right. uh, so the, the resiliency will continue to ebb and flow, but the baseline of how low you go will rise up. So exactly. this training is lifting your baseline so that when you do go low, it's not as low. Exactly. That's exactly right. Which speaks volumes to resiliency, like you meant, like you mentioned. And if you do have that one weekday, let's say, um, is your whole world over? No, like, because you have that baseline. Right. And you can rely on that baseline and you can take it like, okay, well, today I was just a little weak. And then being able to accept that speaks volumes too, because we're so stubborn, right? We don't want to accept any failure and we don't want to accept any like decrease in our ability. But at the same time, we have to understand it. Like we're, we're dynamic beings and some days are going to be 
like a hundred percent. Some days are going to be 90%. Maybe I have a 70% day, but you know what? Like the next day is always there and ready and waiting. So. Absolutely. Awesome. You guys. Well, thank you so much. Let me, let me ask you guys about like the live events that you do. I know you've done some work with uh, different recruit academies. I know you go do some in-house trainings. Um, talk about the, the live events that you guys offer and what those might look like. Yeah. So we do all kinds of live events. So we're like, Olivia just said, we're at the fireman, uh, ship conference, a craftsmanship conference here recently. So we do, uh, conference presentations, uh, almost on a weekly basis we've got somebody doing a conference across the country and that's a great way to get our messaging out because a lot of what we do is have to get rid of the misconception of what yoga is uh, so we can get to work on actually doing the work um, we do uh, in-person training in-service trainings with fire departments so we come in for uh, hit every shift so they get some basic knowledge or basic tools that they can use uh, that day take it home with them uh, and then we actually have an on-demand platform that we can supplement uh, in-service training with. So it's not just we can come in, teach you, and then sorry you're on your own. Good luck. Right. We can help. We can help support it. Um, we have true in-person programs running. We've got uh, different agencies across the country that have sent uh, their personnel to our instructor training. So they've got uh, personnel at their department teaching them yoga classes on an online oh, that's basis, awesome. which is a really cool concept. Yeah. Because then you don't have to rely on people from the outside to come in. It's one of your own teaching your own. Uh, and that's a little bit more trusting and that kind of stuff. So that, that model works really, really well. Yeah. Um, and then probably uh, the biggest announcement for live events that we're doing is we actually have been approved for a live clinical research study uh, based on our protocol for the fire service. That's going to be starting in 2022. So awesome. That's through, great. Through groundbreaking, groundbreaking studies uh, coming out on yoga in the fire service uh, with our protocol specifically. So yeah. Huge, using all those numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. Using all <laughs> those numbers to help support what you're doing. Correct. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. That's really good. Well, that kind of answered my next question of what's coming next. So that's coming next. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the peer reviewed clinical research study. I mean, you, cause you know, I mean, everything is data driven decision-making these days. Yes. So if we can yeah. Have, Especially with can, fire department and budgets. Correct. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah. and that leads to a whole nother conversation of we've got, uh, is mental health and resilience truly a priority in the fire service when the budget dollars still, quite frankly, we, we work to get those budget dollars because we have to keep our lights right. on as a nonprofit. And they're yeah. just hard to come by, quite frankly. So is it yeah. truly a priority in the fire service if the money is not there? So that's why we're doing our due diligence to go out and try to find the, uh, we found a research group uh, that's going to do peer-reviewed research on our protocol. So we can go back to the fire chiefs, police chiefs and say, hey, listen, the data is important. Here's evidence on this specific protocol that you can take back to city council or whoever it is to get some funding to put this in place. So that's, that's a big next step. Um, we are launching an on-demand, like I said, we have our on-demand platform that's still, uh, it's been out for about two years now, but we're rolling out an online course platform to dive awesome. into like all the science behind what we do. Good. Um, so agencies can uh, subscribe to the on-demand platform. It's just yo literally yoga classes on your phone in your pocket is what that is. Um, and breath work. And breath work. <laughs> uh, right. awesome that's because that's where it starts but then the uh we're launching what we call university uh also in 2022 which is yeah actual like 
hour long. We've all done online training at this point in the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know what, we know what it is. It's, it's just yeah. that same kind of platform, but with courses about what we teach and what we do, stress management, resilience, um, and how the science behind it works uh, to give even more evidence to people that may already be skeptical <laughs> about what we That's do. That's so, so awesome. Two That's big, incredible. Two big launches in 2022. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that online course thing. I'm I'm a, a huge proponent of online courses. Um, I've done a few. That's how I got my um, certified nutrition coach, and and there's just a bunch of other different ones out there too. But man, it's like the way of the future. You know, it makes it's, it so it's, accessible. You right. Know? Yeah. yeah. And and the other thing that we were really successful with were online yoga classes during COVID. So a lot of people think yeah. you have to have the yoga instructor there in person with you to do this well. And so a lot of agencies had our program, but weren't allowing outside instructors in anymore, especially at the height of the pandemic, because right. of just trying to keep their crews, their personnel safe and yeah. isolated as much as possible. Uh, but what came out of that then is these agencies, I mean, from the colleagues I've talked with, this whole last year and a half has been one of the toughest years on the job of their whole careers because of all of the compounding factors. Right. So some agencies are like, we need this more now than ever before. So we, we can't cut it. So they would roll the, they would push the chairs out of the way in like the day room uh, and throw on a, a webcam there. And we'd have a teacher zoom in, quite frankly, and found out that that was extremely successful because awesome. uh, the technology, camera technology is good enough now. You can see that if somebody's foot's in the wrong spot. Yeah, like I would be like this there, when I was right? teaching. I'd be like this, like making sure everyone <laughs> yeah. was safe. And, and yeah. then Eric would be the demo person. So we right. made it work. But what's That's neat about awesome. that is then we had instructors in Chicago teaching uh, personnel that were on shift in, in Missouri, right? Or, yeah. we were, or we were teaching people uh, in Florida who are on shift from Colorado. And so yeah. you don't have to even have a local like uh, YFFR trained instructor anymore. You can reach out to YFFR and we can get somebody literally zoomed in to teach yoga to, to your personnel, which is a game changer because a lot of people will say oh we found our local yoga teacher well right. from this conversation at this point people i hope are realizing that we have a slightly different approach and so right. we're a little yeah. different so bring one of our yeah. yoga teachers in virtually that's amazing man that is so cool this is also exciting um because not only like you're literally building that community that you're talking about yeah like yeah. it's it, it there's no more there's no more matter of like distance right mm -hmm. it's only a matter of like seconds to log right. in set things yeah. up get it going and do yeah. something even like we're doing right now so yeah, yeah absolutely that's why you know that's why i love i actually really appreciate technology and social media and like anything else it has to be in moderation right um but just think about what it's allowed us to do and yeah. the community and the relationships and the training um, so I'm and very the gaps grateful that have for been it. Bridged. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So insane. Well, that's awesome. I'll have to have you guys back on once the online courses launch and once the yes. study gets a little underway and we'll see how things are going. Um, as far as social media goes, what, what are your guys's handles? Like where can people find you? On every platform, we are at Yoga for First Responders. I actually think Twitter is maybe someone could check on this because I don't I don't do the twi Twitter, <laughs> but it's gotcha. but we do the as tweets. an organization the <laughs> tweets. But I think it's Yoga on Twitter. It's Y O G A four like the number four one S T R E S P something of that effect. Gotcha. I think if you, yeah, so that's that. But everything else, Instagram, Facebook, it's uh, LinkedIn. It's all Yoga for First Responders. Um, and then website is yoga for first responders.org. 
all Perfect. spelled out. Right on. And I'll be sure to put all that stuff in the show notes. And then Eric, if you'd, I'd, I'll send you an email. Maybe you can get me that breathwork stuff. I'll throw those in there too. But thank you guys so much. I look forward to having you guys on again. And those online courses, I'm definitely going to be signing up for those. So, Thanks, Ryan. So. I'm glad to be on your on your um, on your podcast because I remember when you first launched it, yeah. and I've listened to the first couple of episodes awesome. that you ever made. So it's, I've always hoped to be on with you. Right on. Yeah. Hopefully, it's gotten better and better. That's the goal. Uh, the the hardest part is starting. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you did that, which is awesome. And you have a great podcast. Thank you so much. All right, guys. We'll take care. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Ryan. Wow, what a great time I had talking to those two. They are so passionate about what it is that they do, and it really shows in the execution of their mission. What a powerhouse they are. They just uh, actually celebrated their one-year wedding anniversary, so congrats to them. Uh, I'm personally very interested in learning more about their online course forum and am eager to see that whole thing get going. So I'll probably have them back on once that thing gets launched so we can get a little bit more details on that. If you're having some mobility issues or are looking for ways to improve yourself when it comes to core strength, mobility, or even conscious breath work, then definitely click the links in the show notes and scope out their programs. Check out their YouTube channel, all of it. I hope today's episode has inspired you to dip your toe into yoga. The gym I go to here in Arizona offers classes as a part of membership, and I only pay 10 bucks a month, which is a small investment for a gym membership but it yields huge rewards. So I'm presenting a challenge to you this week. Seek out a yoga class near you, sign up, and attend. You won't regret it. Thank you all so much for listening to the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please take 30 seconds of your time and leave a rating and a review. It helps the show stand out, and when people are looking for a quality podcast about all things firefighting, I'd love for this one to be the first one that pops up in the search results. There are a lot of important things discussed on the show. And as we delve deeper into these topics, we can come together and help each other learn and grow. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IgnitedFF. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited.